Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for this third week in our series on prayers. We've talked about how do we figure out what Jesus seemed to know so well. I think if we were to do a survey of people that walked in the door this morning, we said, tell me the area of your spiritual life that may not be as strong as it needs to be. Most likely one of the top things would be prayer. It would be one of those things that we go to and say, yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not where I, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm sure know that I could add some things to my life to make it better. And so we've taken these, this prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we have broken it apart and talked about ways that we can apply those things even to our own journey. So I want you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take your Bible. Turn to Mark 14 is where we're going to camp out this morning. If you got your little North Star app Daniel told you about, you can go ahead and open that up. And it has all our notes for today. And uh, we will dive in here in a second. If you were here last Sunday, we had these little tags out all right you'll see them hanging when you leave you can grab one of these today fill it out hang it and then next week at our night of prayer and worship which you don't want to miss we'll come back together and we will do that but we're so glad you're what a great crowd for a holiday week that all our kids have been asking how many of y'all you were the lucky bunch you got out of town this past week raise your hand all right we hate you and love you all at the same time all right and so we we do how many of y'all were here but you wished you were out of town. Raise your hand. There we go. Now the real honest people in the room. But we're glad everybody made it today, and I think we're going to have a good time together. Mark 14, Jesus in the garden. Here he is doing something that seemed to come so naturally. 30 years into his ministry, 30 years into his life, three years into his ministry, and here's Jesus on a night when everything is pushing and cramming in, turning to prayer, turning to God, turning his heart towards the Lord. You know, and prayer is one of those things, it's a funny thing because we can talk about prayer, but prayer is really one of those things you learn more by doing than you do talking. I remember when my kids were little and we were teaching them how to swim. You can read a textbook on how to swim or you can learn to swim. You can learn to just get in the pool. And I remember we'd put them in the pool, we'd put them in the deep end and we would get just far enough away from them where they had to really try to work to, that's a little cruel, but you had to work to really get to the person that you're with. And that's the way you learn. You don't learn by textbook, you learn by doing prayers the same way. Mark 14, let's dive in the story. It gets really good today. Jesus and his disciples, he's left the upper room. We've talked about the first two weeks. He's going down to the garden. It's the night before he dies on the cross. We pick up verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples. Now, at this point, there are 11 disciples, all right? There were 12. Judas did his thing, went his way, and now is out on his own. So there's 11 of them left. He looked at his disciples and he said, sit here while I pray. On the night that his life was really closing in on him, he turned to God the most. So here he comes into the garden and there's 11 of them. They're here. Sit here while I pray. But it doesn't end there. Look at what he says. And he took with him Peter, James, and John 
And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch, which means remain here and pray. So you have the 11 here. He takes Peter, James, and John. He takes them a little further. He takes them here and he looks at these guys. Now, the Son of God, on the night before he's going to die, which they don't really get, but the night before he does, sit, he does all I'm asking you, sit here and watch and pray. It's all I need from you. I don't need any miracles. I don't need you to manufacture something. Sit here and watch and pray. Verse 35, and going a little farther, he fell on the ground and he prayed. So here's Jesus, leaves these three. He goes a little farther, and he is so overwhelmed with the moment. He's so overwhelmed with what's about to happen. He goes a little farther. He doesn't kneel and pray. He doesn't find a rock and fall, fall out of the. He just falls to the ground, and he begins to pray. That is a prayer of desperation. We've all been at those moments in each of our lives where we didn't mean to. We went as far as we could go, and we fell on our face, and we just prayed. That's where Jesus was. He fell on the ground, and he prayed. And you know, I mean, the Garden of Gethsemane's not that big. You know that Peter, James, and John at least see what had gone on in Jesus' life. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible— the hour might pass from him. God, if there's any way you cannot have me walk through this, would you choose another path? It's crazy to think, but Jesus was begging out here. He's like, I really don't want to go through this. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. God, remove this cup from me. Let this hour pass from me. But Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, that's what we talked about the first week, this intimate cry that he had, this intimate connection that he had with his heavenly Father. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And that's what we talked about last week. We called it the prayer of relinquishment. It's that prayer of going, okay, God, not my will, but your will. Not what I want, but what you want. And we taught, we spent all last week, if you weren't here, go back and listen to it on the app or the, the uh, uh, out on the web, because we talked about what does it mean when our, our plans don't match up with God's plans, which is gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So what do we do? And he came and found these three guys, Peter, James, and John. He came and found them. What's that word there? Sleeping. There's nothing like good friends, right? Nothing like a group of good friends. Peter, James, and John are sound asleep. Sound asleep. Jesus... He's falling on the ground, laying out, going, God, I can't do this. Remove this cup from me. Peter, James, and John, right? They are in deep sleep laying here. Now, Simon Peter's the interesting one because Simon Peter, just a few scenes before, has said, Jesus, let me tell you something. These guys... Can't trust these guys. But I want you to know, 
You can always count on me. I'll always be there. I will never leave you, Jesus. I'm going all the way with you. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Simon Peter. It's interesting, he pulled out Peter. Now, I do think, do y'all remember kids when you were growing up? It didn't matter whatever the teacher would ask, they would always raise their hand. Do y'all remember that kid in school? Do you remember that person? I was coaching 13-year-old travel baseball, had a kid named Cody on my team, and I remember reaming them out in a very Jesus-like fashion one night, and so it was, it was all with love and encouragement. But anyway, so I was getting on them pretty hard, and I said, do you guys understand what I just said? And I remember Cody going, yes, sir. That's what he said. Yes, sir. I said, Cody, what did I just say? He goes, I have no idea. All right. And so I think, I think Simon Peter was like that occasionally. I think Simon Peter would get a little off. But he, he gets on Peter and he said, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not just watch one hour? Look at what he goes on to say to Simon. Watch and pray. This is interesting. That, what's that word? may not enter into temptation. Is Simon Peter going to enter into temptation? You bet he is. He's going to deny him three times hours later. It's amazing when our hearts are right in prayer what it will keep us from. And he knew that for Simon Peter. The spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh, it's weak. Keep reading with me. And again, Jesus went away and he prayed, saying the same words. What were the words he was praying before? Father, if there's any way, if there's any other way, remove this cup from me. Those, those were the words he had just used. He goes away, and he prays the same words. But look at what happened. And again he came, and he found them. What was the word there? Sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy. That is what causes you to sleep, all right? And then the writer just wanted to note it. Their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Keep going. And he came a third time, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping? Taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. And don't you know all those guys wish they could go back and relive those moments they just experienced? How many times in our own journeys have we needed to pray, but we did something other than pray? How many of y'all have ever experienced in your life something and prayer was your last resort, not your first resort? place you went to how many of y'all that's true for you raise your hand that's true for me these poor guys it just got remembered for 2,000 years but we've all experienced it we've all experienced it how did Jesus though turn towards prayer first I want you to write a word down ready here's your little extra word for the morning so we're devoted devoted is the word let's talk about that so back in the 1980s, any child, children of the 80s in here, there was a hot movie in the 1980s called Grease. There was a song by Olivia Newton-John. She did not coin the word, hopelessly devoted to you. Devoted was around a long time before Olivia Newton-John sang it. It's mentioned 10 times in Scripture, five times it's mentioned in light of prayer. So here's our working definition for devoted, all right? This isn't, in, this isn't from Webster's. This is from the Lynch Dictionary, all right? And so I want you to write this down. Here's what devoted means to us this morning. It's what I turn my eyes 
and my heart to constantly. That's devoted. Whatever I turn my eyes to and my heart to constantly. That's devotion. When I am devoted to something, it has my eyes, it has my heart, and it's constant. It's not a one-time thing. It's not I think about it occasionally. Being devoted is whatever I turn my eyes to and my heart to in a constant fashion. Yesterday, I got to stand at a wedding for a young man. He's a great kid, grew up here in the area, went to Harrison, sat right over there every Sunday morning. I watched him from middle school up, grow up here, phenomenal young man, got married yesterday. We're standing there at the ceremony. I'm doing their ceremony, but here's what I know. No matter what they say to each other, no matter what they do for a living, no matter uh, what kind of money they make or don't make, the success of their marriage is going to be built on the devotion they have to each other. So help me out real quick. If you only turn to each other on Valentine's Day, is that going to be a strong marriage, yes or no? No. It's not, some of you are going, ask me. All right, I'll tell you it didn't turn out well. So it, devotion comes when your eyes and your heart are constantly turning towards something. To be devoted in prayer means we build a system in our lives that we turn to God, not as the last resort, but as our first step. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's what Jesus figured out. That's what Jesus got. That's what he understood. So how do we do that? pen, pencil, something to write with. You got your notes on your tab. Let's dive in. What does it mean to do that? What can we learn from Jesus from this about how to have a heart that's devoted to God? Number one, get alone with God. Get alone with God. You will not build a heart that is devoted when your heart is distracted. You will not build a heart that is devoted when your heart is distracted. And here's the deal. We live in a world of distractions. Would y'all agree? Right, they're on your phone, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook popping up all the time. Calendar appointments, emails, texts, constantly coming in. We live in a world of noise. Noise is all around us. And we wonder why we don't hear from God more. We wonder, why does God seem so distant? Why does God seem so far off? Why does God seem so far away? Well, a lot of times we never build a uninterrupted time to get alone with him. I remember our first trip to Haiti and we went out to an area, I believe it was called Desolin, and it was about three and a half, four hours from the airport. I remember driving out there. It was the very first time in my adult life I remember being somewhere without streetlights. It was the very first time. And I forgot how dark night was and how many stars are actually out there. And I remember you didn't get cell phone service. You didn't get any of your updates. You know what I found over this two or three days we were there? How much more in tune my heart was with the Lord. Why? Because I was alone and he was all I had. We just live in a world of distractions. We live in a world that everything's pulling at us. Everybody look at me. You will never be devoted to one you don't build alone time with. It's not going to happen. 
It is not going to happen. I remember. So there's a thing when you're married. How many of y'all are married? Raise your hand if you're married in the room. Okay. Um, there's a thing. There's a great book on marriage. In, if you're married, it's a great book. If you're single, it's a great book to get ready for marriage called The Five Love Languages. Y'all familiar with Five Love Languages? Great book. All right. And there's, there's all these different things. There's words of affirmation. There's gifts. There's um, acts of service. There's quality time and physical touch. Those are, the, those are the five love languages that there are. My love language is words of affirmation, all right? You say something nice to me, one nice word, I'm good for a week or two. I'm good to go. That's all, that's all I need, some nice words, nice note, good to go. Anne's love language is quality time. That is her love language. She needs quality time. When we first got married, I was really good at words, really bad at quality time, really bad. I didn't understand that was what she needed. And I remember it was Valentine's Week. We just celebrated Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's Week, and I was a student pastor, and I put together a great student party and it was called stupid cupid night it was gonna be this crazy thing i was telling ann all about it it's gonna be awesome i'm gonna celebrate valentine's day with all these kids and i remember she looked at me and this is what she said you love those kids more than you love me and i thought you know the kids i'm thinking of all right i really don't like them that much but it's my job all right so i remember i didn't understand quality time you know what she was saying i don't think you're devoted to me I think you're more devoted to those kids. They're taking more of your time than I am. It's a great lesson. I was like, would you like me to cancel the party? She's like, do whatever you want. Cancel party. All right, and so, still married, 26 years later. All right, it's devotion. You can't do it. Look at what Scripture says about Jesus. This is in Mark 1. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed, he went out to a desolate place, and there he what? Prayed. He didn't go with his disciples. Went all by himself. Look at this next passage that was there. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on a mountain to pray. All throughout the Gospels, you find Jesus getting away to pray well then there's no doubt when the heat turned up and the pressure moved in and times began to squeeze him what did he turn to he turned to prayer why because he had spent time with his father and you know what happens when you spend time alone with god you learn you can trust him you learn you can trust him you learn you can depend on him you learn you need him you learn that without him you can't make it and here's the crazy part. Jesus was the son of who? God. Y'all are afraid to say God. God's the answer, all right? And so you're like, God, I think. He's the son of God. And yet he needed it. Look at number two. Ready? Not only do we get alone with God, we get real with God. We get real with him. He fell on the ground and he prayed. When he was on the cross, this one, one with the Father, said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want you to write a little note under number two to help you remember it. Jesus can handle my doubts and my questions. He can handle it. He can handle your doubts and questions. He can handle when you don't get it. He can handle when you don't understand he can handle when you go, God, I don't know where you are. 
God, I don't know why I'm going through this. He can handle it. But you can't live there. That's what I'll tell you. He can handle it, but you can't live there. See, Jesus never stayed there. God, remove this cup from me, but yet not my will, but your will. So, well, that's Jesus. He's the Son of God. So, but what about somebody else? Think about King David. The, the Psalms that you have, there's a bunch of them. You know, if you read them, here's what you're going to read. God, where are you? God, did you forget me? God, why are you so quiet? God, have you forgotten me? God, do you not like me anymore? God, where are you? God, why are my enemies prospering? And my group, me, I'm failing. I have people all the time, they'll go, man, I wish I had you. You know, you're a pastor. I wish you could pray with my football team or baseball team all the time. God will look back, I'm like, really i mean you really believe that you think god if that was the fact i'd be playing the major leagues right now right and so it doesn't work that way but here's the deal here's what i'll tell you god can handle your stuff get real with him it's so funny how we'll pray and we just got to clean it up for god well god in your telephone i just don't know where god is god you're so great and god's like that's not how you feel that's not what you think. Tell me what you think. Do you know where this comes from? Here's the word I want you to write under number two. Ready? It comes from intimacy. Intimacy is developed from devotion. It comes from intimacy. And I've been married since October 1991. You know what I'll tell you? We've had lots of good conversations. We've had some tough ones. We've had lots of good days, and we've had some tough days. But I know I can trust her, and she knows she can trust me. Intimacy is developed from devotion. Get real. Here's the crazy part, all right? So I think sometimes we look at this and we go, well, if I were God and David talked to me that way, buddy, I would show him who's boss. But it's so interesting. If you go to the New Testament, here's what the New Testament says about David. He was a man after God's own heart. What? He was the guy crying out, asking God where he was. God, why are you letting all these people prosper? Why is the other team winning? Why is my team not winning? Why are things not working out for me? Because David knew God well enough. He told him whatever was on his heart. Read the Psalms. He told him whatever was on his heart, and he always went back to, but God, I know I can trust you. But God, I know I can love you. But God, I know you'll be there for me. You're my rock. You're my redeemer. You're my, you're my safe place in the storm. We get alone with God. We get real with God. But look at number three, ready? We get consistent with God. There are times we pray out of desperation. And then there are times that even in the good times, we build consistency here's the word i want you to write out beside number three ready the word is habit it's a habit you create a habit not because it's something that make god makes god love you more because it's something you learn that you can fall back on right now in arizona and florida major league baseball teams are gathering guys making millions of dollars that play for these major league organizations that have been pitching, many of them since they were eight years old, 
at 9 a.m. in the morning before they go out and play in the afternoon. They're going through their windup. They're finishing their pitch. A ground ball is hit to the first baseman, and the pitcher runs over, and the first baseman flips in the ball, and he touches the bag. They're called PFPs, pitcher fielding practice. Do you know why every major league team is doing that right now? Is it because these guys don't know what to do? No, they all know what to do. But when you build a habit in game six of the World Series with 70,000 people in the bleachers, millions watching on television, your career on the line in the moment a ground ball is hit to the first baseman, you don't have time to think about what to do. You do what you have created the habit of doing. It's instinct. It's instinct. You create habits to develop a strong pattern. So this habit of prayer, Jesus didn't create in the garden. He created it on his mornings when he would get away with his father. And then in the garden, he turned to it first. We won't turn to what we don't develop. So how do we do that? Here's a couple, couple ideas. Ready? To get consistent. Pray the Bible. Pray the Bible back to him. Pray a verse back. You're like, Mike, I don't even know where to start. I am a novice. And here at North Star, we've got people that have never been in church. And I get that. But let me tell you something. God hears your prayers as well as he hears my prayers. Isn't that amazing? God cares as much about what you think as what I think. Pray the Bible back to him. Go to Publix or Kroger this afternoon. Over in the little um, spiritual section, they've got a little rack they put up, and there's a Bible promise book. Man, take that, start there. Take a verse and begin to pray that back to the Lord. Pray the Bible back, pray the Psalms. That's a great way to do it. Make that Psalm your prayer back to the Lord. They're His words for us, they're His guidebook for us. Pray the Bible. And man, those little books, I've given those out hundreds of times. Somebody's going through a tough time. Man, here's a little thing. It gives you some great verses. They're great. They're great little things to begin with. Some of you, you're way on down the road. You're writing out what God's told you and praying it back. That's great. Some of us aren't there. Some of you may not be there. Letter B, pray from a list. Pray from a list. Two thousand two, two thousand three. I hit a hit a tough spot in our life, in our family's life. Some extended family stuff going on. We walked through, and I had one of those days. You all had them, where I'm like, "All right, I got to talk to somebody." So I called my youth pastor, growing up, Hugh. And I said, Huey, it was a Tuesday. I said, buddy, I need you. I need to talk to you. It was 10.30 at night when I called him. I said, I need you. He goes, Mike, it's funny you called me today. I prayed for you this morning. And I thought, is my problem so bad you've already prayed? All right, that's not good, man. That's not good. I knew it was bad. I know it was this bad. And I said, I said something to that effect. And Hugh said, no, 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 no. I met you, winter of 1983, 1984, right in there. He said, I've prayed for you every Tuesday since I met you. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. 
man in Fayetteville, Georgia, has this little, he was an All-American football player, power lifter, massive guy, has a little prayer book he keeps with him, keeps it in his pocket, and he has different lists for each day, and I just happened to be on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I went down to spend some time with him, and he pulled it out, and there's my name written in 1983, 1984, right around in there, and then Ann's name and Casey's name, Mary Michael's name. He said, I've prayed for you every Tuesday since I met you. That's a list you want to be on because that meant praise. This past May, I needed some huge time. I flew in town for being out speaking and drove down to Fayetteville to see him, and he was on the treadmill, and he had his little prayer list out, and he's running on the treadmill, praying while he's running. It's a list. Maybe it's a list you pray through. Maybe you pray the Bible. Maybe you pray a list of things that you, you lift up to the Lord. Maybe you pray with a devotional. Digging deeper, you version, some great devotionals out there. You version's great. Our digging deeper is awesome. You can get it right off the sermon. Or maybe you pray using a pattern. There, there's, a, there's a thing that's been around the church world a long time, acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Adoration, you adore God for who he is. You confess before the Lord. You thank him for what he's done. Supplication means you offer things to him. Here's the deal. Everybody look at me. Don't talk about it. Do it. I, I don't know, and we could all, we'll, we'll, we could sit and talk about this all day, but y'all do know that a, a party or a president or a politician or is never going to change our country. Has anybody figured that out now? All right, it doesn't matter. What matters? Prayer. That changes our country. That changes our world. But we always pray last, not first. I had a good buddy. Uh, his, his name was Wade, so he'd travel. His living was traveling and speaking to students. So he was speaking at a youth camp, and he made some crazy deal with the kids. If you guys do this, he said, I'll go. This was a bungee jumping first came out. He said, I'll go bungee jumping. Well, of course, don't ever challenge a group of students to make you do something you don't want to do. And so, of course, they do it. And they're like, hey, man, you got to go bungee jumping. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And so he shows up that night. They're down in Panama City. They show up at the bungee place. Well, he was going to act like he didn't have money. So he didn't have, he didn't want to do it. And so, hey, renege on kids, but give me, your life's special. And so he's like, I, you know, I don't have money. And they're like, oh, it's already paid for it stink all right now the kids are already paid their way up and so he, he's got to do it so he stands in line he goes up and the kids are like yeah man they're giving him giving him the business and as you get older i mean these threats of kids mean more there's nothing worse than sitting at a stoplight behind a middle school bus is there and you know those kids are staring at you talking about you all right and so he's like man i can't have these kids talking about me and so he he gets up in line they take him in and he said they get in the little cage thing and he said my heart i'm telling you man my heart is beating a thousand miles an hour he said i get in this cage and he said there's a little guy making probably 525 an hour standing there and he's just standing there facing me he's just looking at me and wade said I, he said i started to say you know there's an issue of heart in my family i don't know if i fill out my paperwork correctly and the guy just stand there then he said i, I started saying you yeah, i got a newborn at home and i've read a lot about this and panama city's not real safe and he said the guy's just standing there so they go all the way to the top and he said i'm telling you mike he said i was scared to death 
I was scared. Bungee jumping just started. See, I was scared to death. And all these kids are down there heckling me, hollering, calling me chicken. And he said, I'm standing there. And I'm in that cage. Well, you got to step out on that platform where they get you harnessed up. And he said, they start harnessing me up. And he said, boy, my excuses were just rolling. I was just rolling. They were one after another of why I couldn't do it. And he's like, man, you got to help me. And the kid turns around. The kid that's been facing him the whole time turns around. And on the back of his shirt, it just said, shut up and jump. All right, that's what his, that's what his shirt said. You know, I wonder how many times... God says, you know what? Y'all meet every Sunday. Just shut up and pray. Why do you keep talking about it? Just do it. I'm not looking for the right words. I'm just looking for a desperate heart. I'm looking for a heart that's abandoned to me. A heart that says, I've tried everything else, but I want you. And here's what I'll tell you. God will hear your prayers as much as he hears anybody else's. You know, Billy Graham passed away last week. Can you imagine what heaven was like when he showed up? Now, did he get anything special from the Lord? I think he got what everybody else got on the greeting. I just think his line was longer to seem. Billy Graham, five years before he passed, five years ago, he said this, if I could go back and relive my life, I would pray more. If Billy Graham needed to pray more, all right, they didn't leave us in a good spot, all right? And so it leaves us in a pretty tough place. Why wait? Why wait till I'm in a, a crunch? Why wait till the world came out from under me? And let's pray. And let's see what God has for us. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for these people sitting in these chairs. Some I know really well, some I've never met. But God, equally, you know them. God, I pray you create a heart of desperation in them. God, whether they're a sophomore in high school, a sophomore in college, or they're 70 years old, God, we all need you. God, you don't look for the cleaned up right words you just look for a heart that says, God, I can't, you can. God, for these people, may we create areas and space in our life to hear from you. God, may we create a pattern where I get used to turning to you. Because God, when I do that, I become devoted to the one I turn to. God, I want this to be a great church. God, I want this to be a place that's safe and fun and a place we look forward to being. But God, most importantly, I want this to be a place where you find a group of people who don't have it all together. They're trying to figure it out. But yet we know that we can't and you can. And we pray. So Father, that's what we do. Over these next two songs, you may want to sit in your chair. You may want to kneel at the front. You may want to stand with your hands raised. You may want to just stand and sing along. But my prayer for you is, 
during these next few minutes, you pray and you talk to the Lord. You tell Him where you are and you tell Him where you want Him, where you want to be. And you cry out to the one who loves you so much. Would you stand with me? Let's all stand together. Father, we give you these next few minutes. Do your work in us so we can do your work while we're here. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.